Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by hunting guide and Montana resident Brandon Purcell. Brandon lives a life that most of us dream of by being able to go on hunts throughout the spring and fall. We discuss what it's like being a guide, whether you should go guided or DIY, advice for people coming out west, what it was like for him spending the fall in Alaska, spring bear hunting, and a few good stories mixed in. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, this one comes from Jacob Gosnell. And Jacob said, My name is Jake Gosnell, and I have taken two great mountain bucks this year. I got turned on to your podcast earlier this year. I really appreciate the advice that you and your guests share on hunting eastern woods mountain bucks. Here's a story, and hopefully you like it. I got invited to my buddy's bow camp in Maryland this year, 2021, in November. I got up there and only had three days to hunt. The first day I scouted the property the whole day, I found a nice ridge covered with rubs and two scrapes. I sat there all day in my saddle on the second day and never saw a deer. Luckily, the next morning, my luck changed. I saw three does and two spike bucks by 9 a.m. At 10.30 that morning, a big, beautiful six-point buck came in at five yards. I hardly had time to think about it. I just drew and put the pin where it needed to be. He ran about 15 yards and piled up. Two days later was the West Virginia rifle opener. I've been hunting a piece of public during the bow season all year this year and had a few close encounters. I just couldn't seal the deal. I was running late and then decided to go on my bow spot on a four-year-old clear cut instead of where I was planning on rifle hunting. I got set up and am still at around 6.30 a.m. At 7.15, I saw a silhouette of a deer off to my right. My weak side in the saddle at about 80 yards. I grabbed my grandfather's old Weatherby rifle and looked through the scope. He was a shooter. I waited for what felt like 10 years, but was probably only two minutes and squeezed the trigger. He didn't take another step. Well, I, I have to say that's a pretty awesome season there, Jake. And what an incredible, you know, opportunity to be able to take two bucks within a week and uh, be able to do that in both Maryland and West Virginia. Two beautiful bucks. I have them over on the East Meets West Hunt Instagram and East Meets West Outdoors Facebook page. Check those out. If you want to share your story, send it in to my email, bo at eastmeetswesthunt.com or just go to the website and fill in the contact us form there and uh, yeah i'd love to, to share the stories i got a pile of them still rolling in as you see i'm still going through 2021 submissions um so getting through them i love sharing these stories so thank you guys for sending them in i did want to give an update for for everybody here so montana hunting applications are due april 1st i'm really trying to hunt montana this year so just letting you know i got my application in already and uh so if you're, if you're going to be doing that get that submitted here shortly and new mexico is march 16th so depending on when you're listening to this it's either tomorrow or could have passed but uh get in 
there. So Montana, they changed a lot of things with their draw system this year, changed units up, uh, things like that. So be sure to do your research um, prior to applying. Um, there's just there's a lot of a lot of changes that are going on there. Uh, you can even find that out if you log into if you have Eastman's Tag Hub. Um, Go Hunt has some information on that. Hunt and Fool, they just did a great podcast. Their podcast is Built to Hunt. They had a good podcast going through all of that. Um, I'll just leave it for you to check that out there instead of me giving my best version of it on here uh, right now. So go check those out and um, before you apply. Um, and then New Mexico is cool. Uh, New Mexico, you have great elk hunting opportunities throughout the state and other species. But uh, they go on no point systems. So you just apply it. It's a random draw every year. Um, so you have a chance. It's just that they do take a little bit of your money um, if you're going to be applying there. So be sure to read into the details. But um, I always shoot for the fence in, in New Mexico. I'll be, I have not put in yet. I need to do that. But uh, be putting in for the, the best units that I possibly can and just yeah, hoping that I, I'm, but I'm really, really banking on Montana this year personally. So with that being said, uh, I really hope that, uh, you enjoy this episode with Brandon. Uh, it's, I, I talk a lot about do it yourself hunting on this podcast and I think the guided routes, you know, might be right for some other people. And I think there's just a lot of value that can be had in this episode. And Brandon is just such a, a awesome dude and just fun to talk to. Uh, I think you really enjoy this episode. So if you wouldn't mind, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever, give it a review, rating, whatever. I really appreciate that helps. Tell your friends, share it on social media, tag me in it. That stuff helps out so much, um, as you heard, even just in this Mountain Buck Monday story from Jake, you know, word of mouth is still the best way of this getting out. And I, I truly, truly appreciate all of the support. So with that being said, enjoy this episode and I hope everyone has a great rest of your week. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, 
attack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EastMeetsWest-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three bedroom, one and a half bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk anything like that so if you head over to airbnb and search elk cross and getaway in the pa wilds you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here then we'll get you 10 percent off of your first day all right we're live brandon purcell welcome to the podcast man thanks for having me on man yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I uh I'd first uh I'd first kind of come across you when I uh put a DVD in my DVD player there. I don't know how many years ago the Outlier came out, the Montana yeah, Lob film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's funny cuz I, I I remember watching that. I was like, "Man, this is awesome." And one of the things that was like had me pumped to like going out west and doing stuff and and I, I want to say it was like 2015 or something, wasn't it? Was it that long ago? It was, I don't even know. Uh, it, it was, felt like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I remember seeing that and, and you, and then, uh, you know, years later we started chatting on Instagram and everything. I've been following along of your kind of wild lifestyle. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool For to sure. get to get to chat with you. For sure. So you, um, you live in Montana, is that correct? Yep. And, uh, you see it for, I don't know, from the outside looking in, it looks like you live a pretty sweet life. So do you want to give a little bit of a background on yourself and uh, what you do? Yeah, I've been professionally guiding for like the last decade, roughly. I've kind of guided throughout the West from Montana, Colorado, New Mexico, Sonora. And then I just recently started guiding in Alaska. Um, just got to have a thirst for adventure, you know, and yeah. just Alaska is kind of the next step. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's next. That's next level for sure. Like, I think I remember seeing like you were out there for like four months this past year. I was uh, like two months. Okay, two months. 
it was still, it felt like a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. Um, so what, what were you guiding for up there? Uh, we did sheep, um, moose and elk when I was there. It was pretty sweet. We were in the field for like 18 days on the sheep hunt, which was like, or we did two sheep hunts, but it was like, it felt like an eternity. It was like, so like you lose, I've never been on a hunt for 18 days. You know, like that's a, that's a grind. And like, and it's not like you're like coming back to like some nice amenities. If I'm not, that you dropped off, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. We were just dropped off on the strip and it was like, yeah, we were there for 18 days. Like we were hiking around and hunting, but it was like, still, it was, that was a fucking long haul. We were just sitting there like, get me out of here. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I was going to be like, how do you like, you know, just mentally like (laughs) getting through that sometimes. Oh man. Just trying to be patient. A lot of smokes, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep yourself sane. Like after the first one, like Jeremy dropped off some beer and it was just like the greatest thing ever. It was like, Oh dude, we're 150 miles from Anchorage and we just got beer. Like, this yeah. is great. yeah i bet that that'd be that'd be nuts like because like i said it's not even like you know hunting that long anywhere is a long time but when you're just like dropped off in the middle of the wilderness that's and like hunting hard every day i'd imagine for sure and there was a couple down days but it was still like i mean you're just in it it's pretty raw you know it's like i mean hunting in montana is great and i love it but it definitely feels like you're way less just like committed to it yeah. here like you can walk out here you yeah, know you, you might can get walk. out basically right. anywhere within a day you know to come come back out yeah and up there it's like full committed it's like you're not you could potentially walk out of there if you had to but it would take i mean we're, yeah we're 150 miles from town it was like woof. yeah who do you um <laughs> so who do you guide for up there um who yeah who? Uh, i get for uh, Jeremy Rusink uh, with Rogue Expeditions. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, and um, sure. that, that's that's cool. I was just curious, and and so like with that variety of the hunts, like were you ever on like a sheep hunt or anything before before you started going and and doing that, or is that some is this something like that you've I guess been doing a little bit for for a while up there? Um, I've been on. I was on two sheep hunts before that. I killed a big horn. And then here in Montana, uh, 12 years ago, Oh, geez, and then yeah. I guided, um, guided a desert in Sonora, uh, like four or five years ago. So that was actually my third sheep species, like hunted or guided, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sick. And so how did you get into guiding? Like, I know you said you've been doing it for about 10 years now, but like what, what led you down that path? Like how does somebody like become a guide? I, I don't really, to be honest, it's like, I think I just, I like hunting. I love hunting. And then I like took a few friends out elk hunting one time. I was like, man, this is really cool. It'd be pretty cool to do for a job, you know? Um, and then I just like, I honestly, I replied to a Craigslist posting back in the day of like looking for hunting guides, uh, in Southern Colorado and I totally crooked dude, but <laughs> it like got put in the door, you know, into like guiding and got me some experience. And then just from there, it's just been like, you know, keeping the ball rolling. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, um, it's, it's like something that everyone thinks of as like a dream, like, Oh man, I'd love to hunt every day and be able to do that and guide and stuff. And I actually have a couple of buddies of mine from Western Pennsylvania that had, uh, that 
guide in Montana now and they've been doing it. They just, they, they went to college with me and stuff and they got out and they were working a job and they were just like, fuck it and hiked the Appalachian trail and then went out to Montana and started guiding. And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely like pros and cons. Like you get a lot of time in the field, but there's also like, you're spending a lot of days in the field, you know? I mean, I think one year, uh, it was like, I started out and I guided like all of September, all of October and all of November. I literally like had like 10 to 15 days off maybe in a three month period. And it was just, I was fucking worked at the end of it. You know, I was like burnt yeah. big time. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say is, and I was going to uh, go back on, you know, kind of what I said is like, everybody looks at it as a dream. And I'm sure there is some super good days, but it's also not like all just flowers and big bucks everywhere. <laughs> no, there's a lot of days just grind. It's like the days you kill stuff, you're like, this is epic. And then the, the days, there's other days where it's like, you'll go a week without seeing anything, you know, and you're just like, huh. and then it gets tough because those guys are paying for it. And, you know, there's a certain level of like expectations and it's like hunting's hunting, but at the same time, like you can't really suck at it. Otherwise it's like hard to keep a job, you know, or keep employed. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> pressure for sure. <laughs> And so when in, um, in Montana, like, are, do you, do you have your own outfit now or do you still work for somebody? How does that work um, for you? I contract through a local outfitter here, just kind of offer, basically offer the hunts that I want to offer, you know? And it's like, so I'm doing spring bear and rifle elk here. Um, and that way I can still do my Alaska stuff and be able to pick and choose what I want to do here. So they're just getting like thrown into it and being like, here's your client, here's your client. You know, it's like I can do the hunts that I want to do now, which is nice. Oh yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. I'm sure that came from, you know, years of, you know, building up kind of a reputation and building up a clientele to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's just, um, yeah, that's, that's sweet though, that you get to get to still, you get to kind of choose and do that. And did I see that, uh, that you're, doing some of that work with latitudes yep okay they um yeah so their eastern side like their whitetail stuff i know those i know owen that's over there and i've hunted with those guys before good good people oh sure yeah robert who owns kind of who owns latitude is a super cool dude and he just kind of kind of linked up and just kind of talked about like what i could do here and it's just like made sense you know yeah so it'd be nice to offer some sweet hunts you know, and not have to just be like the, just the general guide, you know, kind of just running the own show kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I have a question for you and this is one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is like on, on my podcast and everything, I do a lot of talking about like how for people to go out West and plan these types of things and do everything. But I've only, I, I haven't really had many actual guides on here to like talk about the other aspect of it. Like, and I've actually, it took me doing it a bunch to realize like, all right, you know, if people are looking for an experience out West and want to shorten that learning curve and have a little bit extra money to spend, it's a lot smarter to go out and uh, do it guided and learn from that aspect. And I kind of want to hear your opinion on that. Um, yeah. Just give for your sure. opinion. I mean, yeah, you can look at it a couple different ways. Like you go out West and you start busting your balls and you want to like earn it that's awesome but you're going to be looking at like a few years of like a pretty expensive camping trip you know i mean that's honest not like 
sugarcoating. It's like, that's unless you're like happen to get lucky, which happens, you know, but it's like, most guys are going to take them, especially if you start trying to do like archery hunting on your own, you're in for like a big surprise. Like it's not going to, it's not like, it's not sunshine and rainbows. You know, there's a lot of dark days out there where it's just like beating your head into the wall. But if you think about it, I mean, you think about like all those trips, you know, I don't know how much you're spending per trip coming out West, but I imagine it's probably in like 1500 to two grand for the whole trip, you know, maybe a little more. So if you're not successful for like three years, like that's essentially the same cost as going on a guided hunt where you're going to stand a, I mean, a greater chance than not of actually like killing something or like having like an experience of getting close to killing something. Cause it's like, you know, there's a lot that goes into it and guys miss and shit happens, but it's like, you know, I would say more often than not, you're going to have better opportunity at least like kill something or see how to kill something with a guide rather than like going on your own and trying to figure it out. And I'm not saying like, there's anything wrong with, I mean, I do all my hunts on my own too, which is great. You know, for sure. If you're just getting into it, that's fucking dawning. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to head out West and I'm going to go elk hunting. It's like, dude. <clears throat> yeah. There's like, uh, you know, there's like a lifestyle being sold out there and like people definitely buy into it for sure. And, and you know, I have mad respect for people who want to do it themselves, but you know, yeah. you can definitely sharpen the learning curve a lot by just going on like a guided hunt or two. And then fuck, you might decide, Hey, I really like doing this. You know, it's like, I'm going to go, with a guide until I have enough experience to like be able to be like, I can go for myself, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny because, you know, I definitely like drank that Kool-Aid. Like when I first started doing it and I was like, man, I got to go. I'm going to go. Yeah. I, I talk about this before. Like I go DIY. I'm going to go back country and backpack. I'm like all the key terms that you need, the OTC, like I'm throwing all that, everything in there. And I got to do that. And I got to go as far as possible, as steep as possible. And it was a freaking eye opener. Like I was like, I got sure. my ass kicked. It took me a while to find For any sure. sort of success in it. And, and I don't say like, I, it, looking back, I wouldn't change it now, but like, if you're like getting into it and you know, like I've had other people, you know, recommend maybe, you know, starting with antelope or starting with something else, but, or if you're like, I'm dead set, I want to kill an elk, maybe looking at like the guided route is maybe your option. And, For sure. and, you know, being, I'm, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but like being an active participant, just because you go guide doesn't mean like these animals just come out and come, you know, running into you uh, here, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're still working for it, you know? I mean, it's not like, it never comes easy. We just definitely have the advantage of like having somebody that's like, at least should know what they're doing. You know, that's not every, yeah. every guide knows what they're doing. Like, let's just put that out there. You got to like, if you get a bad guide, that sucks. But I think guys that like, you know, go out of state and have these expectations, like, oh, I'm going to go out there and I want to kill like a 300 bull. And it's like, yeah, if you're new to it, like, Dude, there's no shame in like coming out west and like starting out with like a cow elk rifle hunt. Because at least you'll get some experience. You'll like kill something. You know, you'll like see you'll see stuff and you'll probably go kill something or you'll like fail. But at least you like won't spend a week or ten days like blundering around in like the archery elk scene of like trying to get close and trying to like figure out like what these animals are doing. You know, it's like yeah, rifle elk hunt them in November and it's like dude, those cows are all out in the open you get some stocks in, you kind of learn about elk, not a bad way. If you're like trying to go DIY and like want to be successful, like that's not a bad option, you yeah. know? No, definitely. And also just learning how to like 
cut up an elk and do those different things. Cause like for, for sure. the most part, like when it comes to guys coming from the East, unless you're cutting them up and packing them out, which is a very few, you know, yeah. small group of people that are doing that. Most people are, you know, you're, you're gutting them and you're dragging them out like that. Sure. doesn't work as well, you know, <laughs> on a big animal. No, I mean, if you're on a private ranch, dude, yeah, gutting them out is great, but it's like, that's not how I've never gotten an elk yeah. out without grant, you know? Yeah. Just I mean, unless you have like a horse and like a rope and some deep snow, you can like drag them out of there, but it's like, you're, yeah, it's good to learn before you're just like balls deep and like, you know, seven, eight miles back there. And you're like, I got to break this elk down. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to hear, do you have any like good, like horror stories of like clients that you've had? And obviously no names or you don't have to say anything like that, but like any stories of like, okay, this is what you should not do if you're, uh, I mean, <laughs> I've had some clients that I just wish that I would have never had, you know, just like people you don't along with. Most guys are pretty good. I mean, I remember having one guy on a rifle elk and it was actually the first one I'd guided in Montana. And we like shot like a seven by seven bull first morning of his hunt. And the guy was like, so cold. He was like, I'm a desert hunter. I would have never made it seven days. And he's just like sitting there and shivering the whole time. And then like, he was kind of a pretty boy and like, didn't want to pack anything. So it was like, he was like, I, you know, <clears throat> and we're like, you know, three miles in there or whatever. And he's like, I just, you know, I don't want to get my, my backpack bloody for the plane ride. And I was like, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you get like, you know, in my world, it's like you get 95% of the people you get are great, fantastic people. And there's 5% that you're just like, this sucks, you know? Yeah. And then you got to spend all that time with them like every day. <laughs> yeah. So if like a client sucks, it sucks. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I always joke like, I found like some good hunting partners. I like, I like to hunt with and I like to go on a Western hunt with someone that I don't know. It's going to take a lot of convincing for me to even try. Like that person could be great, but I just don't want to have a bad experience. Cause that could ruin the entire thing. For sure. Yeah. Choose your hunting partners wisely for sure. <laughs> see it, seen it from a guiding perspective and guys will show up on a two on one and like, they're not matched physically. And so it's like one guy I'll be able to send it and the other guy's like drag an ass behind you. And it's like, that's a huge one. You know, you want to be mentally compatible. But you definitely want to make sure like you and your buddy, if you're going out West or whatever, going out of state, you want to make sure you guys are like pretty neck and neck physically. Cause that'll like, that can totally break you, you know? Yeah. Oh, that that's yeah, definitely. And so like with, what about, what are your thoughts on like drop camps? Um, I mean, if you don't have the budget, if you don't have like your own gear, it's like not a bad option. If you have all your own stuff, it's kind of, it seems like a waste of money, you know, yeah, unless yeah. you had somebody that was literally just going to like negotiate it with you to like, just literally take you in on horseback and drop you off. Cause most of those drop camps, I mean, it's still like, have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. 
The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. You know, a third to half the price of the guided hunt. It's really like what, unless you don't have any of that stuff, if you don't have any of the camping gear, yeah, that might make sense. But if you have like any of the backpacking stuff or whatever, you it seems the one thing I will say is like if you try to like go send it and kill an elk super far, it would be nice to have like the option of being like, hey, come pick this thing up, you know? Cause yeah, have- yeah. Which I guess at that point too, it's like it's important to. I know, like whenever I go, no matter where I go, if I'm you know backpacking, I always like call a packer. Ahead of time, sure. I've never used one yet, but like just to have that contact, have it in my inner reach to like in case you get yourself in a bad situation to be able to come For sure. come help you out. Yeah, and I think a lot of outfitters, if they're not like super super busy or like not, I, I mean, I've run into guys in Colorado hunting before that they've like offered like, oh, if you kill anything, just give me a call. And you're like, oh, like meeting people in the like outfitters in the field, you know, and you're like, oh, really. Cool. You know, for sure. That's not every time because sometimes people are dicks, but (laughs) (laughs) that particular time, the guy was totally like, cool. He was like, yeah, if you kill something, just call me, man. I'll pack it out. And I was like, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I I had, I had one, I've only had one bad experience, like with running into an outfitter in the field and it was in Colorado. I remember I was backpacking and they were coming up on with uh, horses coming up the trail and they were just like assholes to me about like like where are you going i'm like oh just up over that ridge like oh that's where we got to camp i'm like okay well i'll head over this way like well we got to camp over there i'm like all right (laughs) i see how this is going (laughs) then like some guys are dicks about it they act like they like own the mountain and it's kind of just like dude come on man (laughs) yeah you know it's everybody's mountain do you like do most of like um most of your hunts are they like your guided hunts and stuff are they on public land they on private land kind of a mixture um i've guided on a lot of both uh the stuff that i'm doing now is all public land um the private land stuff is is like i mean no bullshit it's pretty nice but there is like drawbacks too because it's like a lot of times you can only you know you can only hunt your private so if like you have three thousand acres you have 3000 acres and you better not run the animals out of there. You better take advantage of it. Like when they're there, you better try to kill one or like be smart about it and keep them there. There's like, there's pluses and minuses to both, you know, for sure. Yeah. Cause it, cause what, like a lot of times on those private lands, you have like the landowner tags, right? So like you can only, is that why you're saying you can only be on like that private yeah. land? 
and like permitting too. like not everybody has forest service permits like use permits um, okay can't just like be like i'm an outfitter i'm gonna operate on the x national forest you know it's like you have to have permits whereas like guiding on private land is a little bit easier because you don't have to have that but you know it has drawbacks too because yeah you have this awesome place to hunt it's generally pretty less pressured but if they're not there they're not there and they're not going to be there yeah you know so how do you how do you recommend like somebody to uh, if they're looking for an outfit or do anything like how do you vet the, those type of people like how do you figure that out? I mean, I just kind of like definitely be specific on like what kind of hunt you're looking for. You know, like if you're looking for like an experience of like a public land like backcountry hunt, like you know try to like filter through like you know who looks good, who has good success, and especially who has success like recently because there's a lot of outfitters out there that like you know, have areas that were good 10, 15 years ago, but in the last 10, 15 years, like they haven't killed much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely like looking at pictures and like, you know, just kind of feeling people out. Like, I feel like you kind of get a feeling about people when you talk to them, even if it's just on the phone and like, the dude sounds like he's blowing like smoke up your ass. Like he probably is. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, it's just kind of, I know like when I was just at the great American outdoor show in Harrisburg here recently, and there's like hundreds of outfitters there. And it's like, man, that's like an overwhelming thing. Like to go in and be like, where do I go? What makes sense? That sort of deal. For sure. Yeah. And I mean like bottom line too, is like you want to probably book with somebody that you like get along with. Cause there's definitely like conflicts of personality that I've seen for sure, you know, (laughs) and, Like you want to make sure that the person you're going with is like kind of aligned with your values and like whatever your values are is fine. I don't care, but like don't go book a hunt with somebody who like you don't feel like shares your same values because you're probably not going to get along, you know, like, and that sucks. I've seen it happen firsthand and you're just like, this is a fucking nightmare, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I can can imagine. Um, For sure. I, yeah, I, I just, I've uh I've went on two outfitted hunts in my life. One I did um actually both of them were through um working with Sika on product testing. They're both whitetail hunts though, so I've never done any of the the western stuff. But it was I've had both those were both like super positive experiences and like For sure. it was just a blast. And that's why I like I I feel like like with with me doing the podcast and doing these things, like I, I need to do better at like showing both sides just because like I've personally like done a lot of the stuff on my own. Um, like showing that there is like, and the, the community and the, and the outfitters and the guides and stuff like that's when, and when you are paying money, like that's just helping this whole entire community and helping everything and, and having just, uh, you know, better odds of success depending on what your goals are and and everything there but it i i just like i i've heard other people too like when they've gone and not killed say with an outfitter and be like oh man like they you know they didn't put me on this or they didn't do that and i'm like you know that's that doesn't guarantee anything like especially like you're guiding on i guess whether if it's public or private doesn't matter still they're they're animals like it's hard to to do that, sure. you know, and being an active participant and and learning. Like if I were to if I were to hunt with you, like I would try to be like learning everything I possibly could, like as I'm going along and being able to do that because you obviously have more um, more experience and knowledge and and doing all those types of things. And I feel like a lot of times 
got especially guys i'll say guys for sure and i would love to hear your input but we have like these egos uh like naturally of like yeah like you're good like i knew when i worked at when i worked in archery shop i hated when i do coaching lessons or like anything with adult males because like even if they sure. like signed up for a lesson they were going to tell me how to do it i'm like oh, yeah. all right all right let's yeah oh yeah <laughs> for sure and like yeah yeah i don't know i always try to tell people like you know going into anything doing anything in life generally it's like dude expectations need to like be level with reality you know and where you run into issues especially on like guys going on guided hunts, they think I'm paying all this money. I should be guaranteed an opportunity. And like, that is not how it is. Like, unless you're going hunting a high fence ranch, which I mean, whatever, if that's your cup of tea, go do it. I don't care. But if you, if you do anything else, like you have to know that there's like some probability that you're not going to kill anything, you know? And it's like, that sucks, but you just need to be like in tune with that. And you need to kind of like, especially like, going into a hunt, whether it's guided or unguided, you need to like have a decent expectation of like what you're in for. Cause like a public land hunt, your odds of success, unless you really know what you're doing are probably a lot lower than if you were to do like a private land guided hunt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's, no, it's funny is like, you know, if you look like when you're researching states and units and all this stuff and you're looking at it and you see this like success rate and you look at it and say it's like, all right, 10% in this unit for elk and stuff. And I always look at it like, okay, is there a lot of outfitters operating that? Because that they're probably above that rate. So everyone is doing sure. it on their own is going to be sure. typically less. So it's like a, it's like one of those things, like if, or if I'm like, you know, especially areas that have like wildernesses and stuff, I'm like, all right, there's probably some outfitters that are operating out of these, these areas and can increase that a little bit falsely if you're trying to do it by yourself. For sure. Yeah, definitely like swings the pendulum a little bit more on the success side when you have outfitters operating in there. Because like you're you you can't view anybody else in the woods as competition. The only person that you're competing with is inside in between your own two ears. You know yeah. what I mean? And there is no fucking way that you can try to compete. If you're a guy that's coming out for a week, you are not gonna have the same intel that a guy that has been in there for six weeks is gonna have. You know what I mean? And that's just brass tacks. I mean, there's no, there's no way. Cause when you're guiding, you're in there every day. You know what's going on. You know, it's like, and then you have this network of other guides that have seen what's going on and you all kind of know, like, okay, this is what's going on in this area. But you show up as like a DIY guy and it's just like you have no idea. You have none of that intel. And it's like you're just trying to show up and like you can't act like those people are competition because they're not. You know, it's yeah. just like you're competing with yourself at the end of the day. And it's like, dude, harness that expectation yeah. and just, you know what I mean? Cause then, then you're able to enjoy yourself more. Cause if you see like an outfitter camp and they're packing out bulls, it's just like, you're going to get pissed, but you got to realize like they've been in there all season, you know, and preseason. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I can definitely, uh, agree, agree with that. So like another thing that I was thinking about is like with, with being a guide, how much time do you get to hunt for yourself? And is that like an issue? You just have to like be able and willing to carve out time to hunt for yourself. You can't say yes all the time. Cause it's really easy to like, be like, okay, I have to guide every single day of the season. Otherwise like I'm broke right now, you know, cause it's like February, you know, December through April is like the slow season, you know? So it's like, but you got to kind of like, 
I definitely fell into the trap a couple of years of being like, I'm guiding every week. And then you get to the end of the year and you're like, I got to hunt like four or five days, you know, which sucks. So you got to prioritize it in your own life. And that's hard to do. Cause it's like, you want to make money, but it's like, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> knocking down for, for yourself is like pretty infuriating, you know? Yeah. You seem to still, uh, get on some pretty big ass bulls <laughs> on your own <laughs> for, you know, for yeah. guiding as much as you do. For sure. I mean, it's part of it's just kind of like knowing what's going on, you know. It's yeah. like I, I don't know. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I feel like I like have the elk thing like fairly well figured out. It, that's well, not well. You, you spend know. so much time, like I mean, yeah, you're not. I don't think you're being uh, egotistical with that. Stand, I mean, you literally just you do it for a living. So like you are, you have, you've been able to figure it out. <laughs> And it's nice being able to hunt on your own because I'm not like confined to the guide use area. So it's like, I don't have to hunt like where I'm, I generally never hunt where I'm guiding just because it's like, you know, you don't want to be competition. And then it's like, you don't want to shoot out what you're trying to take with clients. And it's like, I'll just go to another area of the state, you know? And we have that opportunity here with the general tag to be like, I'm going to go hunt in that corner of the state, you know? Yeah. And do, do you like, so what's your preference when you're hunting by yourself? Do you like... Do you like hunting from, you know, like hunting from the roads? Do you like backpacking in? Do you like going by yourself? Do you like going with people? Like what's your like preference with that? Uh, I like hunting by myself and I like doing day hunts. I just, I like, I do enjoy backpack hunting. Um, but part of the thing with backpack hunting is unless you know for a fact that where you're going is like dynamite, it can feel like a bad marriage. You know, you're just like, you're stuck. And you ain't, you are not getting out of it. And it's like, you gotta, you're going to burn a whole day getting out of there. And it's like, so you get trapped into like, oh, I'm going to stay and I'm going to like ride this out. It's like, that's not always like the biggest bulls are not necessarily in the deepest, darkest Canyon far away from the roads. Not. And that's just honest, you know, it's yeah. like there times of those bigger bulls will find like pockets of habitat that are like basically like wilderness style setting in a non wilderness area, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. That's something that took me a little bit, to to learn and, and then have some experiences on my own. That was like, all right, like there's, 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 there's options out there. Cause I, I know, um, I remember seeing that bull that you killed in 2020. That was an absolute, was that, yeah, that was 2020. Wasn't it like oh, yeah, an absolute sure. pig. Oh, is that's him right there. Holy yep. cow. It's not as, not as big as that one. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that one's giant, too. Yeah, that one I killed in 2017. That was a pig. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That is incredible. Was that split fist there? Uh, the G5s are split. Yeah. The split on it is like nine inches. Oh, it's man. Split. It's like That's insane. Yeah, no one else can see that, but it's uh, it's there's a couple uh big bulls, bucks, caribou bulls, moose, everything on your walls there. Bucks. Yeah, <laughs> sheep. Man, that's an insane trophy room. But <laughs> yeah, how how old are you, Brandon? Uh, I just turned thirty four. Okay, yeah, you got you got an impressive wall for for being younger. That's that's awesome, man. I got three left on the super 10. So hopefully I can draw some tags. Oh yeah. You said you're waiting on the Alaska draw, right? 
Yeah, I'm putting for like everything up there, but I need uh, I need a buffalo, a goat, and a mountain lion to fill out my super ten, oh. which would be cool. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, what's what's gonna be the hardest one? The buffalo. I think to draw, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like I don't know. Definitely seems like the hardest one to draw. Yeah, yeah. My brother just killed one this year that he got. Oh, really? Yeah, he got a tag, and uh, it was like is pretty freaking awesome like just For seeing sure. like the pictures he was showing me of like just the size of like even like the back straps and everything that come off it just like i don't even know how to fathom that for sure that's a big critter so it took him and like some other guys he was with like an entire day just like trying to cut it up and <laughs> for sure <laughs> insane but uh uh what about what about the mountain lion what do you plan on doing for for that hunt uh, I got some buddies that, uh, one buddy that I guide with up in Alaska, he runs hound dogs in the winter and I'm just been trying to link up with him in between cause he guides and stuff for him. So just trying to link up with him on off days and trying to like do that, you know, and just get one. I don't know. I, it, it's not super high on my priority list cause I just, it's not, but yeah, I need it at some point, you know? Yeah. Do you, have you, so did you grow up in Montana? Yeah, I've grown up lived here my whole life essentially okay that's yep. that's awesome yeah, yeah it's definitely montana's definitely seemed like it's uh I, I i can't really speak from experience just from what everyone said that it's uh definitely become more populated than it used to be yeah especially since covid started it's crazy yeah it's i know when i was out the first i guess it was 2021 was the first year i was out there that was like one of the western states i hadn't been to is montana and since my brother moved there um and uh, he worked for uh, C Sharp's gun. He's a gunsmith and oh, uh, big timber there. And he was, um, and when he moved out there, I went out and I was talking to, met up with some people in Bozeman and they were just talking about just even like just the prices of things and how much has changed in uh, just a couple of year time frame is like insane. Yeah. It's a little disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring that up and. Uh, oh, it's Gut, bro. yeah there's nothing it's, you can do about it it changed everything you know it's yeah crazy. the hunting pressure well the hunting pressure in 2020 was way more intense than it was last year but still it was like dude holy shit especially when people weren't working it was like dude what is going on you know yeah Oof. i was glad 2020 that i went to alaska Instead, sure. of, <laughs> instead of going to the lower 48 out west because like yeah. alaska i was like man this is sweet and that's what yeah. that's how i got that the bug for alaska like and you and i have talked a little bit back and forth but just just this week actually just today i was just like talking about um uh i'm gonna book two more hunts up there one in 2023 oh, and one 2024 so um i'm gonna do a black tail um oh, cool. and uh kodiak black there next year and then i i say that and i'm really i haven't agreed to it 100 yet because it's during the whitetail rut and that's like a super oh, hard thing for me to be able to do but i was like like there's there's a lot the, the, the run yeah. happens every year and i so like i gotta i gotta weigh that and then there's also yeah but then i'm gonna go back to caribou again take my dad and my brother nice. my cousins and uncles and stuff like i think that'll be that'll be pretty cool that's pretty sweet I was pumped to do uh, the moose hunting this last year. Like that was the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, and I killed the moose here when I was a kid, when I was like 13, 
but we uh we were on western alaska guiding them and like dude those animals are so big it is, <laughs> it is insane i mean it's like they're like six and a half feet tall at the shoulder at least and when you put them on the ground it's like it it is like stressful because of how big they are. Cause like an elk is big, but like the Alaskan and Yukon moose are like, they're easily double the size of our elk. You know, and it's like the hindquarters, you couldn't like debone them out there. And so you had to pack them back whole. And they're like 125, 135 pounds. Oh man. All yeah. Having that on your back to be able to like. Not fun. <laughs> no. And like, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I, I, when, so that was my first animal I wanted to hunt in Alaska. And I, and, sure. and me and my buddies were like, yeah, like, again, this is this un, almost kind of like unrealistic expectations. I'm going to do a DIY, you know, moose hunt in Alaska. So we start calling around. Not one transporter would fly us in. They're like, For sure. you're from Pennsylvania. You've never hunted Alaska before. They're like, sure. how about like- you go do caribou? And yeah. I was like, okay. Um, I'm like, but I want to hunt moose. And they're like, no, like no, you're, not, you're not hunting moose. I'm like, I've, you know, and I was trying to like, like give, like I, I, I can do it. And they're like, no, yeah, I'm sure. like, yeah. I think that's actually pretty good that they do that. Like, to, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. So like, I, that's still like super high on my list, but I'm like, I, I, I'm glad I did like caribou first and something. It's easier to break down and oh, yeah. learn how to like get it into the, you know, how to freeze it and transport it back home and do all those things was much easier to do with a caribou than, than a moose would be. For sure. Cause the moose was like, I mean, I think on the ones that we broke down in Western Alaska, we had like nine pounds or nine bags of meat, but they were all like 130 to like 80 pounds, you know? And it's just like, hey, what do you, it's just like starts getting ridiculous and you're breaking them down. You're like pulling off chunks of brisket that are a hundred pounds. And you're like, what the am I going to do with this? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, Oh, cause I've broke down a ton of elk, like a ton of them. And it never like, it was never like stressed. And then I get those moose down and you're just like, dude, what are like, what in the world? (laughs) There's, uh, I mean, it's the biggest land mammal in the, in North America, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when the first time I went to Anchorage and I saw a moose, I was like, for like the first time I was like, holy cow you know and then i've seen like i've seen the the moose some in the lower 48 in colorado and idaho and stuff but like those alaska ones are just freaking giant it's insane insane like that nothing compares to that at all are you like so when you when you guide up there are you by yourself as a as a guide do you have anybody else that's with you typically or is it just you and the hunters Generally you have like a packer, like last year I was working technically as a packer. Um, cause you have to have like X amount of days. You have to have 60 days of Alaska hunting experience and 30 of that has to be under a registered outfitter. So it was like, I had basically the days, but I just didn't have like anything under an outfitter. So I had to work, you know, as a packer, but it's still like, I wasn't like, I wasn't just a strong back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, and it definitely is helpful, especially when you're like with moose, even with sheep, like having somebody else there to like carry gear and like split shit up and, you know, split up camp chores. It helps a lot. If you were doing it by yourself, it'd definitely be like a grind. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, yeah, I could imagine, man. Like that's just, that's so cool. And do you, have you done, um, were they mostly like 
like fly in drop ones or like float trips or what what kind of hunts have you been guiding up there they were all flying the elk hunt we did was on a fog knack and that was a uh, via boat well i'm shooting a new bow this year and i am pumped after playing around with a buddy's hoy rx8 the smile on my face made the decision for me the first thing i noticed with the new hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like i prefer i outfitted my own rx8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow my favorite accessory so far is a simple one it's the go sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that in addition the integrated kickstand within the hbx exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier if you want to experience what i'm talking about head to your nearest hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself you can learn more at hoyt.com the mobile hunters expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other it provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Okay. Oh, you, so you, okay. You guided elk on a fog neck. Yeah. I heard that's pretty wicked. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like we had a, we had an awesome time. It was like great weather. It was like 50 degrees and sunny. It was crazy. Super nice. But like, I know as soon as we were done, basically we were out there like bare men, we were out there shot at opening day and jetted out of there. But it was still like, I think after we were in there, it like just started pounding rain. And I know like Remy and the mediator dudes have done that hunt and just got like blasted with rain the whole day. And it looked terrible, yeah. you know? And it's like, we did not have that experience, but I know that experience exists, you know, for sure. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's crazy it's just like alaska is so unpredictable and it's oh, yeah it's uh, for the most part when we were there for caribou the weather was pretty good i mean you'd have your you know daily rains that would come in and high winds and stuff but it, like it wasn't like for extended periods of time luckily for sure for sure yeah and it's just like i think just alaska is synonymous with rain mm-hmm. it's it's just wet you know yeah. like i've never been on a like that elk hunt was the driest hunt I've ever been on there. It's like, normally it just rains, Yeah, you know, it'll either mist or like, there's like a hundred different types of rain in Alaska, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what was your favorite hunt in Alaska? Oh man. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just those moose hunts just cause it's like, it's just nuts knocking over an animal that's that big you know and just like and seeing them too and it's like the first couple bulls that we saw were like absolutely giants and it was just like holy shit yeah you know? it's like looking at something that's just like i mean because i've hunted moose down here before and like they're big but they're not like huge you know and you see those ones and they're like 65 70 inches wide and you're like dude what like you know just like moving effortlessly it's like dude it is insane yeah super it- cool 
Yeah, and, and it just like I don't know, man. Alaska just like has a whole like just has a part of me I just want to keep going back. Like it's just so freaking cool and like not having like the hunting pressure and all because it is so difficult and there's also the cost associated with those hunts that you know kind of gives a, a a barrier to entry a little bit when it comes to doing that but it's uh it's just so incredible to to have those like to be in those types of places oh yeah it'll get your talent it'll get its talons into you for sure you know i feel like once you go to alaska it's like it's like okay when am i going next Mm -hmm. you know for sure yeah that's the same thing we did like and, and there were so many like different travel issues like we ran well we we went up during the heat of covid like in 2020 and had to go through all that shit and then sure. like trying to come back and then we got out of the field early so I had a change of flights and then basically i just had to buy all new flights because they wouldn't change it so like it was like a lot extra expense that came down sure. to it that i wasn't accounting for but i just remember like when when i booked that hunt like uh, the hunting consultant I use, Kyle, um, from Outdoors International, he was telling me, he's like, dude, I hunted Alaska a bunch. He's like, you need to just know that things are going to happen that aren't good. And you just got to let it roll off. And like, you just yeah. can't get stressed. You can't. And I was, and he is so right. Like you just, you got to have a good attitude about it no matter what. And just kind of roll with it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Alaska is just hurry up and wait. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's just like oh, plane's coming, and then it's like okay, and then you get ready, and then you just wait, and then it's like maybe the plane comes, maybe the plane doesn't come, and it's just like, well, I mean, I like waited on a strip for like five days, and it was just like they're coming, and it's like ah, we're not coming today, and it's like the next day, it's like ah, we're not coming today, it's like ah, we might be there tomorrow, probably the next day. <laughs> Well, I've been ready now for four days. <laughs> yeah. I heard, you know, like that's what, when we flew out, I remember there was a group of other hunters that were staying at the same hotel as we were before. Like we flew out of the main village to go out and uh, we were staying there and apparently they like boat tagged out on like day one and it took them like wow. five days to be able to get in because they were on top of the mountain and where we were at was down low in the valley and the way just the way the weather was they could fly in and get us and we didn't kill till day three or four and they got us out before they got these guys out that had like and and it was like they're like yeah i was just like waiting trying to make that weather clear and like for us it was fine and they were only five miles away from us just it was just that's just the way that it was and um and it was it was crazy like for me i remember texting on the inreach uh to our pilot and being like hey you know we got both our bulls we're good staying here a little longer like we're just enjoying it but you know we're done and then i get a text right back it's like weather's good we're coming in now i'm like all right and then they were there in a couple hours and it's like gotta gotta hit those windows when you can yeah for sure and i always tell people that too is like hey it's like you know so even on the guided hunts, you're like, Hey, like this looks like the window that we can get out of here is like, we need to like hunt hard until that day. And then we got to like, go, you know, it's not like we're going to roll through day 10 and just hopefully get picked up. You know, sometimes it might be like day nine or day eight where they're like, we have to get you now. Yeah. You know, cause it's like storms coming in and then we're not gonna be able to get you. Yeah. I know. Um, I know you had, uh, you'd commented on one of my, uh, Instagram posts when I was, uh, when I was, uh, talking about like, 
first aid emergencies and stuff in the in the back country. Have you seen anything like up there? I'm going to get to asking you about your story you're telling me about in grizzly country, but have you seen anything like when you're like out there like flying in where anything has happened that's been No, I mean, luckily I've never had any like, you know, anything with a client ever. Um, yeah, good. I know they've had issues before of like clients like falling, especially up there like sheep hunting and stuff, like clients slipping and like smacking their face and like I know the guide that I was with Pete, he like had a, a moose client and the guy like slipped and fell and like smoked his dome on a rock or something. It was like fine, but it's still like, dude, shit happens up there where it's just like, yeah, you gotta be, like on it, you yeah. know, like Alaska seems like innocuous sometimes, but it's like, you definitely gotta like be on your shit. Yeah. You, know? you don't want to like go in there willy nilly. No, that's that. Yeah, that's for sure. And yeah, so you were tell. I want to hear about this story where you told me you cut yourself while you were you butchering an elk or something. Yeah, I was butchering that bull from 2020, dude. That one. Um, but I, yeah. So I had like, I killed this bull, like seven and a half miles from the truck, like pretty deep in there. It killed it. I quartered it, and I was literally pulling the cape off like around the base of the antlers and like my knife slipped like plunged the Havilon into my hand like that. Like you can like see, I don't know if you can see the scar, but it's like, it's not. Oh really yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I do see that. Like, yeah. It's like, right. Yeah. There. But yeah, plunged that thing in there and it went in like an inch and a half, two inches almost. And it went in like the side, you know, <laughs> and it sucked. Cause I'm like by myself in grizzly country, you know, and it's just like, I just killed this elk and it's just like, I can't like, I couldn't use my left hand cause it just like, it just dude. the, I don't know what I hit, but it was just like in shock. And it was just like these two fingers, my index, and my middle finger were just like frozen. And it was like, I had all these quarters, like just laying on a log and it was just like, well, I'm done. You just got to like call a spade a spade. And you're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. You know, cause it was, it was bleeding. It wasn't like, I knew it wasn't like bad, but yeah, I still had that moment of like panic where you're like, fuck. You know, I just sank a knife into my hand and like I'm by myself and you like, you got to control your head at that point. Cause you're like, okay, I know this isn't like fatal, but it's like, this is not good. Yeah. I, I got to take care of it. Like <laughs> sort of deal. And yeah, that'd be, that'd be, would be kind of nerve wracking being by yourself. Like it's a little bit different. Like if you have a buddy with you or something that kind of keeps right. you calm and you kind of have that almost security blanket, but grizzly country, you're bleeding. You got dead elk down uh, yeah i was definitely freaking out a little bit and it was just like it took me so long because like i had just severed the spinal column my hands were all gross and i was like i normally i'm never i'm not a kind of person that ever goes to the hospital and i was like i gotta get this thing like washed out you know yeah. and stitched. it wouldn't stop bleeding and it was just like you know i know there's like some funky shit going on in there and it took me like i think i left the kill site at like right about two o'clock and i got to the er at 10 that long to hike out of there get in my car and drive all the way to the er really yeah did you you i'm obviously you probably need stitches then at that point yeah it was only like four stitches but it was still like i mean he had to sit there and like clean the whole wound because it was super deep and so he's just sitting there like fucking just pumping it full of stuff and it was not the worst part was just them sticking it with like the numbing stuff you know yeah like you know, that's the worst part of anything. Like, even if like, yeah. you know, even like you're getting like a cavity filled, like, and you gotta like, no, I hate the needles that have the numbing shit. Oh, They're yeah. like, that just cringes me more than, than anything. For sure. 
yeah, it sucked. It was definitely an eye-opening experience though. Cause like normally like my first aid kit had consisted of like electrical tape and duct tape wrapped around my trekking pole. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. And it was like, they had worked fine until then. And it was like that time it was like, shit, I don't have nearly enough duct tape, but I'm nearly enough electrical tape. I ended up like putting a glove on and then just put, putting my release around my hand like this and just like strapping it down just to like try to put some pressure on it. Mm -hmm. I just shoved my hand underneath my bino bivy and just like walked out of there like this, you know? Yeah. But it was like, it was a fucking send getting out of there. I had to like shot in a hole and I had to hike up like 1600, 1800 feet up over this plateau that was like almost 10,000, you know? And it was like, like a worse scenario for that. For sure. It was definitely not like ideal. <laughs> did, did a bear end up ever finding your your spot or anything, or was everything? No, we good? went in, we went in early, early, early the next day. We got to the kill site like at dawn, but it was like nothing had messed with it. But it's still like we rolled in there with a the shoddy, and we had four people. But it was still like there's pretty high bear densities in there, so it's definitely a little like rattling, like walking in there like archery season. You know, you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like gimped up. I got one hand. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Hook over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's that's crazy. Have you have you had any encounters with bears like in some in some of your hunts? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, on the Alaska hunts, we've definitely got into bears. On the first sheep hunt, we like came out of some brush and like popped out of the brush and looked over, and there's a sow grizzly with two cubs at like 54 yards. And it was just kind of like, woof, whoa, this is real, you know? And she, like, you could kind of tell just from body language and stuff that, like, she wasn't, like, interested in, like, messing with us, you know? Yeah. Um, had Baron Kodiak, like, steal a fish off this lady's line. Like, it, she, it's, she's hooked up, and the bear, like, steals the silver salmon and, like, takes off with it, still on the line. Oh. You know? It's, like, up there, it's a different thing because their food source is so rich. Like, they don't even care about people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, like, down here, it's, like, I'd way rather run into a grizzly up there than down here, you know, not saying that ones up there won't try to kill you, but I think it's less likely, you know? Yeah. I, uh, we didn't have any problems with bears up there. Like we saw, we saw quite, I mean, I don't know, probably three or four of them in those three or four days that we were there. But it, uh, I, I always laugh like the brush is like cracks me up because when, uh, we were coming like, Oh, we'd see, we see the bears and we're watching through the spot and scope and then they come, they go down and I'm like, oh, I lost them. I'm like, they must have went over the ridge or that saddle and I didn't see them. And then we spotted some car- caribou that bedded and we started moving up through there and realized that that brush that looked like ankle high is actually like eight to 10 foot tall alders. I'm like, oh, like I had said to my buddy, Michael's like, you can go first, man. Like you're, you're good. Like he, he moved through there <laughs> and we had, we had tracks in camp, like when we were sleeping, but that had come through like right through like by the tents and stuff. But, uh, then the, I'll never, I'll never forget that. I remember like looking down and I'm like, dude, is this like fresh bear shit? And Michael's like, no, 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 that's yeah, you know, that's that's a week old. I'm like, dude, that looks pretty freaking fresh. He's like, no, no, he's like trying to like calm me down. He's like, no, 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 it's that's nothing. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You gotta be kind. You just gotta know up yeah. there. It's like there's gonna be a grizzly wherever you're at. Yeah, you know, more than likely. 
Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I don't I didn't feel I didn't feel super worried. Like I mean we weren't dumb about it though. Like even when we were like butchering the caribou, like we just always just kinda like one face one way, one face the other as we we're doing things. Try to be smart about it and like always take your bear spray when you go get water or whatever and and For just sure. like pay attention to it. But I never felt like fearful of it. I could see low like in some of those areas of Montana and Wyoming and stuff, like that would oh, be yeah. with some of that just thick country that would be a little bit more nerve-wracking hunting in some of those places for sure i definitely know like even spending like those two months in alaska and then like coming back here and hunting in rifle season i know there's a couple days like hunting around the park it was like dude i just think, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know it's like, like thinking like because in alaska you're really not doing a whole lot of like stuff at night yeah you're not really at night you're just kind of like it's the animals aren't as much you know day morning and night kind of affair it's more just like you could kill something any time of day. Yeah. But it's here, you know, you got to hike in. Like, I mean, I've had spots where I've hiked in two, three hours in the dark, you know, yeah. and it's like in the country and you like, no. And it's like a lot of those trails are like along creeks. So it's like, you know, it, those are the kind of areas where it's like that bear's not going to hear you. It's not going to smell you until you're like on it, you yeah. know? So it's, that's a little unnerving. Cause you're just like, Oh, <laughs> and just, you know, it seems like, you know, bear encounters up there are much more frequent and they're far less violent. But then when you hear about the bear encounters down here, it's like, ugh, you know, it's like people definitely get mauled down here a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. It seems like it's more and more every year in like sure. in, in Montana and, and everything. Like I, I remember one situation, first time I went to Alaska, I wasn't hunting. I was just, I was up there in Anchorage and, I was actually staying in uh, the backyard. Me and my brother were sleeping in my teepee uh, in the backyard. Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice, she had like this Heather's Choice retreat up there, and we went up there. and And uh, I got up in the middle of the night, which it was during the summer solstice, so it was like daylight all the time. It was like For three sure. o'clock in the morning. And I heard like dogs barking, and I woke up and I'm like, ah, I got a shit. And there was an outhouse like in the woods there, and I went and I, I, I remember going in there, and there's like no door on the front of it, which is kind of weird. And I remember like sitting there being like picture in Jurassic park where like they die. Oh, the yeah. rex comes sure. and rips them out of the, For you sure. know, I'm just like a lap and you know, I get up and I go back to bed and, and uh, the neighbor came over a little bit later and it's like, there was a grizzly like outside your guys' tent. And that's what the dog was barking at. And he went into the woods. He said, he looked out the window and saw me get out of my tent and then go like towards the woods and go. And I'm like, Oh, that was just like, <laughs> Oh, just, gave you that like gut feeling like that's just not oh, good <laughs> for sure yeah there's grizzlies everywhere up there there's a couple islands in southeast that don't have them but for the most part like there's bears everywhere up there you know <laughs> yeah oh, that's funny man <laughs> what so what do you got going on this year like you got anything fun planned or what's your schedule look like um i don't have any personal hunts really like planned yet um just guiding, doing some black bear hunts here in Montana. And then I'm going up to Katmai to guide a brown bear hunt in May. And then more black bear hunting here. And then, you know, sep or August and September up in Alaska again, which should be fun. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Do you, do you sure. like spring bear hunting? Oh, it sounds like you do for how much guiding you're doing of it. I love spring bear. Yeah. It's just a nice way to get out and it's like, it's a fun hunt. And for us here locally, at least like it's a fun mountain hunt. You know, a lot of guys do the spring bear thing and they like walk logging roads and you know, you see in BC, they just drive around and like shoot them out of the barrel pit basically, you know, but 
we get to hunt them in the mountains here. So it's like an excuse to hunt some stuff like in some of the sheep and goat country here that you'd never get a chance to hunt that you can hunt on an over the counter tag every year, you know, which is yeah. cool. No, that's sick. I'm, I'm excited. This is my first year bear hunting. Um, we have a For bunch bear. of black bears in PA, but it's just not the same. So I'm excited to go out to, to spring bear hunt and I'm going to spend 10 days out there this year. So, um, oh, sweet. yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. yeah, I'm freaking pumped about it. Like it just like, it's one of those things too, like just getting to like start off your year and like get to do that. Like after winter and all that stuff's over, get out, get in the mountains. And I, I, again, I have no expectations or really know anything about it other than I just want to try it. That's kind of sure. Yeah. It's like, once you go bear hunting, it's like spring Turkey seems a little lame. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's it. I know. That's like, so like we, it'll be right in the middle of our, our Turkey season. And I like Turkey hunting. Don't, Don't get me wrong. I love it. And, uh, but I was like, I'd rather go to Montana and try to hunt bears. For sure. For sure. I mean, you can always pick up a turkey tag here too. I mean, I think the season's open until like May 11th. And you can get like, it's something absurd. It's like 13 turkey tags. Are you serious? 13? Oh yeah. It's insane. You can like kill, and I don't quote me on this, but you can kill like one in every administrative region, which there's seven. And then there's like, you know, extra tags here. And ex- so you could end up with like 13 in a year. <laughs> I would like to hunt turkeys. I've only ever hunted Easterns and I've only ever hunted in Pennsylvania and Ohio. So like I've never hunted out. My brother said it's a lot different. Like he lived in Colorado before Montana and he's just like, he killed, he killed one. Like he killed one in Colorado. That was just like, he said, they're like, they were super dumb. Like he basically like snuck up on it and just like over a rock and shot it. And it was like, really close to being the state record like freaking giant and and uh he's like but i had no he's like it was just shit luck that that happened that way but he's like it's different he's like they're everywhere for sure yeah and i mean i just the reason why i don't do it here because it seems like they're just like yard birds they're just like glorified livestock here because I, I know for a fact that like the birds out east are way smarter yeah because i've a lot of clients be like dude this is insane you're like driving by birds and they're just like sitting there looking at you and it's like I was just had a heart. It just wasn't palatable for me. You know, I'm just like, dude, it's like literally like my dad would go out and feed pigs in the morning and the fucking turkeys would just like hear that grain bin drop. And they just like run. You literally like you could almost sit on the road and like watch. You're like, okay, dad, feed the hogs. And yeah. then the <laughs> turkeys would come up from roost and just start like running up the road, you know, doing their dance. And you're just like, dude, this is not like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like neighborhoods here, you know, and it's like you go on like, the outskirts of town and like find where the turkeys are and like you're hunting them in people's yards okay. you know <laughs> it's not and i'm sure there's some like stuff where you could like get away from that but a lot of it's like you're hunting town turkeys you know yeah that's <laughs> that's that's what my buddy i was just uh when i was at the show there i was working uh the maven booth with a guy from wyoming and he's talking about that he's like oh yeah our turkey hunting is just like get a bunch of buddies together. It's basically like having camp and drinking beer. And then you just go ride around to see turkeys and then you go and you shoot them. And that's kind of what it is. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, you can see why out here it's like, yeah, I'd rather go spring bear out here than spring Turkey, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just pumped to try to hunt bears. Like, it's just, I think it'd be cool. The whole being able to spot them and everything like Pennsylvania, like there's some freaking giant bears, like don't get me wrong. And there's a lot of them, but like, it's so thick. Like there's no, there's no glassing that goes on with it. And it's just, 
it's more so if you're not getting a bunch of people and driving them, um, right. it's kind of piss ass luck at that point. Yeah. It's like you can go sit in somebody's cornfield and like in the fall and be like, or okay, that. well, yeah. we've been out here every night. And it's like, but other than that, you're like, dude. <laughs> yeah. In the Appalachian mountains, like where I'm at, it's just like when there's no like fields or anything, it's just like, they're like in these like thick laurel patches and all this stuff. And like, you can, like, I know people have shot them with the bows and stuff, like hunting, like acorns and stuff that they come out to. But I just, I don't know. I just, I've never had any luck with, with bears. So I'm, I'm excited to, again, like try to go out there and, and see what happens. I'm going to go in the middle of May. I don't know if what, oh, you, what you think about timing of that, but yeah, that's great. I mean, every aspect of the season has like advantages and disadvantages, like early in the season, they're kind of concentrated because there's only so much green up, you know, um, middle of May seems like the best equilibrium. Whereas like, there's a lot of country that's melted off. They have some room to roam, but they're still not like super widespread. And then you get into the later part of the season. And it's like, dude, those bears can be from the Valley floor to the top of the peak. Really? You know, and so yeah. it, gets, it, it does get tougher. I feel like later in the season because they they literally can be anywhere. Yeah, you know, if you had to, if you had to like pick a week for me to go out there, what would you say? Oh, it's tough. I I really like the first week of May and the second week of May. Or like, I don't know. I think those are like the best. I think you still get like there's still quite a bit of habitat that's locked up in like snow, but mm-hmm. there's not. You, you know, and there, there's enough to hunt without there being too much to hunt, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. You like know? you, you, you find those places I'm, I'm assuming that are like where you're getting some of that green up where the snow is melting and you know that there's probably gonna be bears in that area versus if it's all melted off and everything's green and up, exactly. they could be spread exactly. out. Yep. Yeah. Cause by the time summer comes around, those bears are like Valley floor to the peak. Yeah. When I was, it makes it t- when I was out in uh, Montana last year, it was the end of June. I think the deer, I feel like bear season was still open at that time. My brother was saying sometime like third week of June, and uh, we we were fishing uh, this one river, and we were in grizzly country too. But like we looked, and um, there was a bear. At first, I thought it was grizzly. It was just a color phase black bear yeah. but um and they, but it was just they were down by the roads at this point and like just kind of feeding oh, yeah. through some different areas it was kind of like an old burn type spot for sure yeah oh absolutely and like yeah our season goes to like june 15th so like if you like live here it's kind of nice because like in june it's light till almost 10 o'clock so you could be like a nine to five kind of guy and like go out after work and like still have a good chance of whacking a bear after work you know yeah no that's but cool when you're hunting it and like hunting, hunting hard, it's like, dude, those June weeks are so rough because it's light at like 4.30 and it's dark at like after 10. Really? So, I mean, that's just like, dude, that is an obscenely long day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is. Like, so w- what does it look like if like someone were to like, say, book a bear hunt with you? What what t- type of hunting do you typically do? Um, I mean, our bear hunts kind of look like we, you know, there's no pressure to wake up in the morning. Like I've killed bears at dawn, but most of the time you're killing bears like from one o'clock till dark. Mm, so it's okay. generally like a pretty cush morning. You kind of like hang out, you know, eat breakfast around like nine or 10 o'clock, like roll out. And like most of the day, like, you know, you spend some time like hiking into a glassing point or a vantage point, which can vary in distance and elevation. But most of the day you're spent sitting on your ass, like glassing, you know, you want to like basically find those 
those vantage points where you can look at as much country as possible, where you still have like a chance of killing something in. Um, and you want to just plant yourself there and have the patience to sit there until like, you know, roughly dark. Or I have like cutoff times a lot of times where I'm like, I'm sitting here and realistically, like I could hunt. Like if I spotted something at six o'clock, I have a chance of killing it. But after that, there's like, there's not enough time in the day. I couldn't even get, you know, exactly. So it's like, Oh, that's a tomorrow bear. But then like a lot of times, especially later in the season, early in the season, if you see a bear, you can probably go back and kill it the next day. Like the first couple weeks after that, it's like, you had better kill that that bear when you see it. Cause you'll never see that bear again. You know? (laughs) Yeah, uh, that yeah, that makes sense. For sure. Cool. It's like a white claw cruise, like pre-rut. You know, it's like you see it once and like that, you would better kill that thing. You yeah, know? yeah, because they're going to just gonna keep moving at that <laughs> For point. Sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, it makes sense. Well, cool, man. I uh, I appreciate you coming on and and chatting with me here and and talking. Like Absolutely. I said, it's been a it's been a long time coming. I've I've had you. I have a list of like people I want to talk to, and I've had you on a list for a while. And I just uh, the other day I was like, I looked at my messages because I felt like I'd reached out to you before and realized I hadn't. So I was like, I'm gonna see if uh, sure. wanted to come on and talk. So I appreciate it. Yeah, dude, totally, absolutely. So, so where can, I know like you, you know you book hunts and do you take like people that would be open to coming out and hunting like would you take new clients on do you have like oh absolutely yeah for sure so how, um, how can people find you and like some of that stuff uh best way to reach me is probably just through instagram uh durango.boon on instagram uh it's definitely the best way to like just look at kind of the hunts i offer and see my program and reach out you know yeah no that makes sense and yeah you're uh your Instagram is always full with some good stuff and, and, uh, some good photos. I know you're, you're, uh, pretty good friends with Zach Bouton yep. there and Zach's been on the podcast before and I've taken his, his course, the hunting photographer and got to know him pretty oh, cool. well through that and everything. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you have some good, good stuff on there. It said your descriptions, booking epic hunts in Alaska, Montana and beyond. So if that's what you're looking to do, you gotta get a hold of, get a hold of you. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, thanks again, Brandon. I really do appreciate you coming on and talking. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.